As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be part of a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and a great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. You sign up today, you will get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash rocket ship again gusto.com slash rocket ship so today we're going to dive into the concept of product leadership and specifically the differences between product people and product leaders 
This is based on a chat you had with Rich Miranoff not too long ago, right? That's right. Yeah, actually, Rich was with us at the European edition of Industry, and he did this awesome talk on product leadership. And actually, he's going to be with us again in Cleveland and, and giving a whole workshop on it, too. Oh, amazing. So how, how was Industry Europe? It was awesome. I mean, we had... Man, I think we had about 400 people from 32 different countries, mostly in Europe with us. And um, yeah, 15 different main stage speakers. And, you know, I'm starting to feel like Dublin, Ireland, sort of like a second home for me. So that's kind of (laughs) cool. Well, that's awesome. Exciting to hear that that he'll be joining at the Industry Global coming up too. Yeah. So yeah, let's get let's get into this episode. Let's dive into product people versus product leaders. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So first, we want to be clear on how we're defining what a product person is, um, or you know, you might hear terms like product manager, product owner, um, but they're much different than a product leader. And by product leader, I assume you mean like a director, or VP, someone higher up in an organization. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, those would definitely qualify. In fact, here's how Rich actually defines it. I think of product leader as somebody who's managing one or more product managers and the various uh, processes and things that go around that. So product leaders just getting kicked one level up the org chart from where product managers are. And about the perspective change. The product leader job, I think, is one step up from there, which is the, the thing you have to love and care about and look after and nurture is your product team, your product organization. So rather than fixating on one or two particular pieces of the, of the portfolio. It's the organization. How are we hiring and firing and mentoring? How do we assign people? Uh, and then a lot of, I think of it as organizational thinking. Seems straightforward enough, right? But how do you move from being a product manager or an IC into a position of product leadership? Uh, what do you mean by IC? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Individual contributor. Oh, got you. All right, cool. Um, play a little buzzword bingo for, for people out there. Um, no, well, Rich actually did have some advice for people that are looking to move up into an organization. Maybe people that are product people today in one way or the other, but they want to be that product leader. So uh, a fair number of people end up in the product leader job on a field promotion because the chair is empty and there's nobody else nearby. And uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time without much thought, without much planning. And then, you know, you swim or you sink, or maybe you get some outside help. I do a fair amount of coaching of heads of product for just this reason. But the looking around the room, tapping somebody on the shoulder, giving them the new name tag that says product leader, I'm not sure is an ideal strategy, but it often happens. So if you're in the right place at the right time, great. Uh, Things I'd be doing if I'm one of the senior product managers on the team, that will highlight you know, the, the skills or talents I need. I'd volunteer to be on some cross-functional task forces that aren't necessarily about my product. So I can meet lots of other stakeholders, figure out who the directors are, make connections. I would be mentoring some of the junior folks on the team because that's one of the things that your head of product will recognize in a moment and say, that's somebody I really respect and need. I'd be... Um, 
again, I'd, I'd be thinking about those organization classes. I would definitely go off and do the Myers-Briggs equivalent thing. I'd be trying to make a bunch of work friends across all the different functions and find out what they think is working in product or not. Key requirement of the product leader, who, who likes us, how do we fix it? Um, and I think it's excellent, actually, if, if you're working for somebody who you think is really strong as the product leader, go to that person and say, I'd really like to have a job like yours someday. Let's talk about it. What skills am I lacking? How do I get prepared? Ideally, that person won't say, oh, they're out the door in the next five minutes and the job is yours. But, uh, you know, if you're working for somebody you respect, that's the first place I would go and have a serious talk. And maybe you'll learn something. Uh, as far as MBAs go, I do have an MBA from a famous university, but I don't think it's required. There's stuff you learn in your MBA program around finance. There's more important things you learn about how organizations work and how um, people are rewarded. But for the most part, I think the biggest outcome of an MBA program is you meet a lot of folks who go to a lot of interesting places. I, if you really want to be a product leader, buckle down and do it. In the same way that if you want to be an entrepreneur, going off for two years of business school isn't an obvious side trip. So I appreciate all the things that many of us learned in our MBA programs, but I wouldn't make it a requirement at all. I would make it a requirement that anybody who's a product leader has managed some products of their own before, because otherwise they're lost. And when you first move up, it's, it's one of those hardest transition gaps going from being an individual contributor to now managing people instead of a, a product. And so I know that I, at that time, really fought the imposter syndrome and the urge to jump back into my individual contributor work. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that it's a common trap that a lot of people fall into. I know I've struggled with both of those things many, many times. Yeah. So you've managed to to get noticed, right? As a leader inside of your organization, you've pitched yourself right for the opportunity to, to take on some more responsibility. What are some of the common mistakes that people make when they first make that transition? And there's an infinite number of those, and I've made most of those mistakes myself once each, but things that immediately come to mind. If you're the brand new product leader, I would suggest making no major changes or decisions for the first two weeks because you're going to walk in thinking you know everything that's broken and you're just plain wrong. Uh, dig, dig, ask lots of questions, interview everybody, find out what's working, do some retrospectives, run the numbers. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. I know thinking back for me, when I made that transition, one of the biggest changes that I noticed was my lack of direct control of the roadmap itself. Yeah, you, you really have to start leading through vision and strategy versus like epics and stories. And one of the skills that I've been working on lately is championing high level problems inside of Dribble, but staying agnostic to the actual solution. That's right. That's right. Because if you become too prescriptive, uh, your product managers, all of a sudden, they'll feel like 
they don't have the space to sort of write their own roadmap. They don't have the um, ability to sort of take these problems that your company is trying to solve for and and actually, you know, help create those solutions. They'll think that you are sort of coming up with these solutions and sort of, you know, pushing it down on them. Yeah. And then that leads to a host of organizational and motivational issues uh, that come up with the team. And now that you're a product leaner, those become your problem. Yes. And here's what Rich had to say about making that transition to move up within the product organization. I want to make fewer and fewer product decisions. I want to build up my team such that I'm mostly agreeing and ratifying and selling through to the rest of the organization the really smart things that my product managers have come up with because they're closer to the details and they love the individual products way better than I do. So I become much more of a you know, a merchandising person for all the good stuff that the product folks and the engineering folks and everybody else are doing. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. You don't have the time to be an expert on things like taxes and regulations. And there are old school payroll providers that exist, but they're just not built for the modern business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Now, again, there is some competition for Gusto out there, but Gusto actually has a lot of things going for them. PC Mag and Fit Small Business, they've called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto makes payroll a breeze. In fact, nine out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. And Gusto definitely saves you time. 72% of customers, they actually spend less than five minutes to run payroll. I know a lot of people that spend way more. Gusto is reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching. And if you don't believe it, just Google it. People love Gusto. And how often do you actually love your payroll provider? Almost never. Most small businesses, they don't have an HR expert, but you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software and great service, you can focus on your business, not on your payroll or your paperwork. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash rocket ship. That's gusto.com forward slash rocket ship. So navigating team organizational structures is key to any product leader's success. Learning how to back channel and pitch ideas to various people throughout an organization really helps to smooth big decisions and kind of hedge your bets on what decisions you should be championing. Yeah, and let's let's talk about back channeling for a minute. I mean, how does one generally build an appetite around an idea? How, how do you do that, Michael? So I start with the pitch, right? And I try to grab people at more informal times. Now we're remote, so there's not as many of those informal times, but it might be at the end of a meeting or when we're talking about something different. And I'll start to just pitch an idea with one sentence or two, right? Just so I can gauge how their reaction is to it. And what that does is usually open up a bigger conversation since we didn't call a meeting to talk about this. But I'm able to, to get some quick feedback on the idea and I start to realize where one, my holes are and two, where the pushback's going to be from the team. Yeah, and I, I bet that that sort of softens the blow if, say, whoever you're talking to isn't necessarily into the idea. Yeah, then, you know, I kind of hear their objections and then you decide, you know, do I want to pursue this or is this going to be just too much of an uphill battle? Maybe I need to find a different angle. So how do you actually go about 
sort of gauging their reaction. So I start with that 10 second pitch, just a second or two, kind of let them feel it out. And then if I can't describe the solution in one or two sentences, it's probably not ready to be pitched. But from there, it's really easy to see. Do they need to be sold more? Is there too much uh, confusion around the idea? Or if they're into it, can we dive in a bit further and start to flush it out? Okay. And and now sort of getting back to the back channeling. Yeah. So generally, I try to get the majority of people who are going to be in the room for a decision, um, kind of the inside scoop. I think everyone likes to be in on the inside. So before you call that big formal meeting, it's really great to get the majority of the room already bought into or at least familiar with the idea that you're going to be pitching. That way you should, by that time, know a lot of the objections that are going to come back to you. So you'll be well prepared for that meeting. Too many times I've seen people come into an organization with big ideas and they go straight to the pitch and they pull 10 people into a room and it never goes quite as planned. And so this is something that I've learned over time that it really helps me move ideas through the organization and really choose which ideas to move because now I know how easy they are going to be to get through the different kind of stakeholders. Yeah. And you know, that makes a lot of sense because all that, all that legwork that you have to do, I mean, I can understand how for some people it might be frustrating or it might seem like just a lot of unnecessary work or hoops to jump through, but that stuff definitely matters uh, a lot. And there's also the skills you could be developing you know, before you're moving up. Um, and often these are the actions that get you recognized as a candidate to move into a, a product leadership role. Yeah. Um, so you, you could sort of act as that leader before you even have that title. Uh, Rich actually, he had some insights as to what other skills matter before you actually move into that product leadership role. I think the key skills are around understanding how organizations work, how reward systems work, why people behave the way they do. Uh, I, I strongly push all of my senior product managers, if they haven't been, to go to some Myers-Briggs course or some other how to influence people, get their copy of Dale Carnegie from the 1920s. Um, because, for instance, if we think our salespeople act and think the way our engineers act and think, then we simply don't understand what's going on. So, you know, number one skill, really think about how the different folks in the organization behave, how they're rewarded, what makes their day, so that when we're selling all the good product things we need to sell internally, we're pitching it the right way, right? And and again, a lot of thought about mentoring and training. How do we find good talent? How do we promote people who are ready to be promoted and give them as much responsibility as we can give them without setting them up for failure? So those are two key things. The other two things on my list, um, as an individual product manager, I, I love and pay attention to the revenue and outcomes and customers of my individual product. When you move up to the product leader job, you have to take a portfolio point of view. So some of the products are going to get more funded than others, and some of them are going to be more successful than others. Which ones are in supporting roles? Which ones are to make money? Uh, how do we have a portfolio thought so the individual products don't run off in other directions and have an incoherent or non-portfolio view? So either I have to do that or I have to find someone on my team to do that so that we've got a, a well-thought-out set of stuff, not just a bunch of broken piece parts. And then you know, the last one, I think there's a lot of work on really the process of product management. So are we using common tools? When we talk about roadmaps, do we know what we all mean? And do we have a common way of representing those? How do we 
pitch our executives on getting things done in a way that they hear and understand. So all of that wraps around really delegating as much of the real work as I can delegate, but being the safety net, being the suspenders and belt on that so that uh, folks don't fail. So smaller companies, they they also are known to try this player coach model, which is something you brought up. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you you have to wear many hats. Uh, Sometimes the situation calls for you to be working on the product. Sometimes it calls for you to be working on the team. Yeah. And it's it's tricky to do. Um, Both sides are going to suffer a little bit. But if you're able to find that balance, it's a great middle ground and often the first stepping stone to a management track uh, that might not be available at a larger organization. Yeah, especially at that earlier stage, like you said. Well, and and Rich, actually, he shared some thoughts on this. Uh, I've joined a bunch of startups. I did six startups in my day. And four of those I joined as the head of product as employee number 10 or 12 or 15, when I was all of product and sometimes all of marketing and all of business development. So there I was doing, not coaching. Um, I think if you're, if you're a product leader and you have one or two people on your team, particularly if they're junior, then you are a player coach because you're doing a lot of the work and you're doing their portfolio stuff and you probably own two or three pieces of product that you couldn't yet delegate down. But I think if you have five or six people working for you, I no longer think you can be a player coach. I think you can be a mentor. You you can coach the work, but I don't think you can own your own piece of the product set and also manage five or six people. So, you know, the the requirements of the job mean you're going to either fail at being a product leader or do a poor job of managing whichever product you retained. So as soon as possible, I want to hire both senior and junior people and hand off all the pieces. Then I'm required to make sure they fit together. So I may own the portfolio still, but um, managing people's hard, managing organizations is hard. Getting executives to do stuff is hard. Pushing change is hard. Those are real jobs. So if you've got five people, and you're doing anything else, I think somebody's getting shortchanged. All right. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground today from how you move up from an IC to management to the skills you'll need to level up once you get that promotion. Yeah, I love it. Um, so what are we cooking up for next week? Oh, man, I, <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because we haven't written it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. All right. Well, I guess we better get back to work. Until next time, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.